0: Mental health and wellbeing have never been more important. As well as working with the broader business community for more than 15 years, organisational psychologist Hayley Loken has worked closely with hospitality owners and managers to understand the issues they face. She's a practical person and today she offers a wealth of practical advice on mental health and wellbeing strategies for hospital workers and managers. This podcast has been sponsored by Employers Mutual Limited and is brought to you by the SA branch of the Australian Hotels Association. Today, Haley is speaking with Tim Boylan.
1: Haley, today we're looking at wellbeing strategies for people in hotels and hospitality. But but wellbeing is one of those terms that's used a lot and I, I feel it can mean different things to different people when we say wellbeing. So, so what does this term actually mean?
2: Yeah hi Tim thanks for having me. Um, it absolutely can use, can can mean different things and I think it's one of those terms that we throw around a lot. In In my work I see it meaning anything from mental health right through to you know having well-being strategies including having fruit in the office and doing pedometer challenges and weight loss um, strategies and, 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 and everything in between. So I think when I think about well-being and, and I guess the research is telling us that it is it's more than just the absence of illness and disease um, and it's not just about weight loss and it's not just about eating healthy it actually encapsulates a lot more than that. So it's basically it's a combination of someone's physical, mental, social, and emotional health. So it's about, yes, having good mental health, that's definitely a component of it, but it's also around having a sort of a high kind of satisfaction for life um, and also a sense of meaning and purpose in what we're doing as well.
1: So is it normal that our well-being would change over the course of our life or or is it more stable than that?
2: No, look, it's it's absolutely normal that it would vary, and and I think we've probably all experienced um, a bit of a fluctuation, shall we say, in our in our well being over the last twelve months. So uh um, you know, how how we are impacted over the course of our lives uh, will certainly depend on, you know, what it is that, that matters to us, what it is that's impacting us. But certainly if we think about, for example, in the last 12 months in the hospitality industry, um, some people might have found that their well-being is, has specifically been impacted at a really kind of core Basic level, you know, for those who are owners and and um, you know venue owners and hoteliers, yes. where their premises have had to shut for an extended period of time, their their concerns for their well being have been that really kind of basic level of how am I going to pay the mortgage and how am I going to pay the bills and how am I going to pay the suppliers? It's survival. Been a, it's been survival, absolutely right. And when we're thinking about you know people and motivation, if we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know what what at our very basic level as people, it's about you know, food, shelter, water, the things that will actually keep us alive. Um, and we need money to be able to do those things in yes. most cases. Um, but for those who, for example, have been on JobKeeper, um, how their impact, uh, how their well-being might have been impacted, um, still significantly, but maybe not so much at that financial basic level because they're getting the JobKeeper. Uh, but it might be more around their social well-being and their social needs. So they're not working as closely with their friends or their colleagues anymore. Um, they're not able to see perhaps their family as much as they would normally, and so f- their well-being would have been sort of hit quite substantially because they're not getting that emotional connection that they w- once had.
1: Mm. And while we're talking about COVID, we're talking about the aftermath and the consequences. This these lessons and what we're talking about have application to business and working all the time don't they
2: they they really do and from my perspective it's it's actually quite fascinating if you kind of look at the last 12 months as a case study I've found that you know COVID impacted people at the time there was a there was a a, a full gamut of responses to the actual situation itself but then since then there's been these kind of longer term impacts and we're only still starting to see some of them emerge so for some people who have worked in isolation from their teams or their colleagues for an extended period of time. Um, Some have loved it, let's be honest, Yes. Um, whereas others have felt really disconnected and have really struggled and it has actually impacted their mental health quite considerably. Um, and again, that's what we're seeing across across all industries, to be honest.
1: And if it's affecting their mental health, it's probably uh, affecting their work performance as well.
2: Ab- absolutely. I, I spoke to someone the other day who works in the IT industry and he said that um, a friend of his was previously a pilot and is now working in a call centre. So he's gone from, you know, earning a couple of hundred thousand a year plus... And is now earning a lot less than that, and is doing very, very different things. Yes, uh, and I think that that alone is going to impact our well-being because what we thought we were supposed to be doing, what we thought we were doing before, has now been completely changed, mm. and, and and that certainly has consequences.
1: So, how how, how has COVID impacted on our well-being?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, again, it's a fascinating case study. If you sort of take all of the emotion out of it for a second and just look at it as if it was sort of a piece of research, it's it's extraordinary the, the range of impacts that this has had. I think some, as I sort of indicated before, some have actually felt that they, they've in, almost enjoyed it. They, they've enjoyed the fact that life feels slower that they are getting the opportunity to to do things that they haven't done before you know there was this rise in baking and gardening and all of the things (laughs) yes you know we always say we want to do that we never Mm. get time to do it um you know puzzles were completely sold out everywhere in australia it was it was extraordinary so for some it was almost like a a breath of relief it was it was this wonderful pause in their lives um, for others they they really struggled um, you know my little sister lives in in Melbourne so she um, experienced the significant lockdown and um, a, and you know she would tell me stories about people that w- were really really struggling particularly those living alone mm. um, feeling so isolated and then you throw in concerns about health uh, health of family members health of you know parents and grandparents um, so I, I, I do really think there's been a, a full continuum of responses and impacts to well-being of, of what we've seen in the last 12 months.
1: Okay so I guess the um, the question that a lot of business owners and managers need to be thinking about is how can our individual well-being impact on the place uh, in which we work?
2: Yeah it's, it's a very important thing I think for um, hoteliers to, and ven- venue owners to really understand that I think through COVID people were seeing a lot of um, increased mental health issues with staff. So it's going to be no surprise to uh, managers and owners that there is a significant impact on business operations when you're dealing with mental health issues. But what is interesting, I think, is that what we now know is that there's actually – a. a, a um, an impact on the bottom line for businesses if they have a concerted focus on increasing well-being. So rather than just dealing reactively with mental health issues as they come up, um, you know, if organisations and and hotels and venues are able to have a a proactive approach to mental health and well-being, that that actually comes back to them in spades in terms of how their business operates.
1: Okay. So I I feel like um, we'd all have a stronger focus on well-being if we had more time to dedicate to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely. Know, is, is, is that true?
2: Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think overwhelmingly one of the biggest, uh, not excuses, that's not fair, but the biggest reasons or justifications that people give about why they don't do all of those things that we know we need to do is is a lack of time. And, and yes, we're so time poor, although, again, COVID's kind of thrown an interesting spanner into that. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that... Uh, NAB actually did a survey. This is going back a couple of years now. So this is pre, pre-COVID. They did a survey to understand what are the factors that impact on people's well-being. And overwhelmingly, people said time. Being a financial institution, you can probably not be surprised about that. But they actually yes. wanted to quantify it, so they actually found that on average people would spend about sixty-eight dollars a day, sixty-eight dollars to have an extra hour in their day. So that actually attached a financial kind of um, a, a monetary figure attached to people's um, to people's time, and and all overwhelmingly people did feel they were quite time poor.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, he, it does. He, absolutely. Here's my sixty-eight dollars, <laughs> yeah, twenty-five know, right. hours a day. <laughs> So, you've, you've, you've touched on this. What are the important elements within wellbeing? It, it seems like it would incorporate a, a lot of variables.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess for those of you that have, have listened to the Resilience podcast already... Um, you might start to get a picture that I'm a, I'm a big one for frameworks, so you're gonna hear a lot of, about frameworks from me over the course of this series. I think it is important though, again, when we're talking about a, a topic like wellbeing, because it's so broad that we think about, well, what does it actually mean? What's involved? And, and if we can break it down, we know where we can focus our attention and effort rather than just you know, randomly spraying kind of thoughts and ideas in various directions and hoping that something sticks um so there are a number of elements within well-being that i think is worth talking about mm. and one of those is around this idea of connection um we are socially wired to be connected to one another it's it's in our it's in our it's in the makeup yeah, of DNA. our brain exactly yeah. right mm. absolutely um and it's interesting if i can reflect 12 months ago just over 12 months ago at the start of 2020 i gave a a keynote presentation about well-being. Um, This was before COVID came to Australia and so we were blissfully unaware at that point about what we were about to embark on. Okay. And I was talking to them about, you know, the impact of the bushfires and that kind of thing and I said to them that um, actually what the research is telling us now is that the next pandemic, ha-ha, is actually going to be one of loneliness Um, because whilst we are so... um, connected through social media and those sorts of things the connections aren't genuine they're not they're not the sort of connections that we need to feel sustained if you like yes. And so it, it, it is really important in thinking about our the way that we connect with people, that we do have the opportunity to build sort of meaningful relationships. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. You know, quality here is more important than, than quantity. Mm. But that we feel we have people that we can go to, that we can seek support from and support them in return. Um, and that we can actually build those connections with people around us you know, other than the connections that we have on social media because what we're learning now is that particularly the younger generation of people have never been quite so lonely as they are now. Okay. So the next one is around um, activity and again, you know, well being, physical activity, you can't <laughs> you can't have one without the other. Um, and so certainly physical activity we know is linked to increased feelings of well being. The endorphin rush, you know, the dopamine, all of the things that happen, the, the the chemistry that happens in our in our brain actually does create these feelings of, of happiness at a very basic level. Um, so I think it is important that we we do integrate ways to be active. Again, it doesn't have to be anything ridiculous or over the top it might just be going for a walk or walking the dog Um, but I do think uh, if we can think about ways to do that outdoors that's really important as well Um, because what we do know is that that Connection with the outdoors actually um, amps up the benefit that we get from physical activity. So, you know, find a street to walk up and down or, or do yes. something outside.
1: Yes, get outside.
2: That's right. Mm. Um, another aspect of wellbeing that is really important and perhaps one that we may not think about quite as much is is the need for us to continue to, to learn new things. And I guess I'm not talking about, you know, formal qualifications, going and studying at a university somewhere or doing an open uni course it's mm. not about that it's really about pushing ourselves to see things differently and to build new skills and to be outside our comfort zone um, i know speaking from personal experience through COVID, I I was one of those people that started baking and did did my gardening (laughs) and I was completely out of my comfort zone. I didn't understand why my lemon tart didn't set and my my marigolds weren't flowering like they were supposed to and bringing the bees to to flower the, the tomatoes. All of the things that I've never concerned myself with or had the opportunity to do that meant that i had to 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 learn how to do it i had to build those skills and that gives us a sense of meaning and purpose Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and the opportunity to get out of our kind of normal routine to get out of the rut if you like
1: yes yes
2: um, the next one is around being um, sort of altruistic or generous, and and this ability to kind of help people is is a crucial part of our well being for a number of reasons. It um, it gets us out of our own head, <laughs> which is really important. Um, but it also it, it reminds us that there are other people, that there are other issues. It it, it helps us to build perspective. It also helps us to um, you know to to feel like we're we're giving we're giving back, and it sounds maybe a little bit soppy but sure. it, it really does help us to feel like we're contributing to something bigger and I'm not saying you have to go out and volunteer or do anything like that but even just you know smiling at people saying thank you being grateful for what people do for us um, it really does help us to to feel like we're, we're doing something good.
1: Mm. So on that I mean hospitality people by their very nature uh, in an industry where they're helping others and and are, and are quite outgoing and generous by nature, so that should be a, a fairly logical extension.
2: I, I absolutely would have thought it, it is, um, and I think we'll, you know we'll talk a little bit more about this when we when we touch on the customer podcast. But I do think. Um, particularly with the the stresses that we have at the moment it can be difficult sometimes when you've got particularly when you've got difficult customers and that you know they're arcing out when you're asking them to do things that that you know they don't want to do and you don't want to have to ask them to do it but it has to be done because otherwise we're going to be pulled up by SA health uh, you know it, it can change the dynamics of the customer relationship and i think that's something that's probably created a lot of issues in the hospital industry in these last 12 months so you know, getting back to kind of the root of the customer service—you know, smiling at the customer, trying to connect with them in a way that that has nothing to do with having to ask them to sit down and not drink there, or not stand there, or don't dance in that sport. You have to dance on the dance floor. And you know, I think if, if you can, if we can find ways to connect with each other, then it, it, it does help to um to to get past some of the the automatic frustrations that we can probably quite quickly feel at the moment. Yes. Um, and then the final part about it is just to be uh, be aware, to be self-aware, to, to kind of, to be aware of changes in our own mood, to be aware of, you know, when we are feeling a bit more stressed or a bit frustrated one day or perhaps happy the next. Um, and also to be aware of what we have around us, um, you know, to, to, to notice the small things and um, Uh, I I, I don't tend to use the word mindfulness very much because I know it has varying – people feel differently about mindfulness, Um, but I suppose at the core of it, if we can't be truly present – In what it is that we're doing we're never going to be able to do it to the best of our intentions so you know if I was half with you Tim and half thinking about you know I have all these emails to respond to in my office or I've got to get back and write that report then I'm not giving you my full attention and and it's a bit like anything right so if we're not able to actually tune out the noise tune out the chatter and be present in that moment Moment. Mm. then then we're actually doing ourselves a disservice because we're not giving our commitment or our attention fully so having some strategies to kind of bring yourself back to kind of tune out that white noise that is constantly on in the background and to focus on what's kind of right in front of you is is a really important thing. I think part of that as well is is about being grateful. Um, gratitude it's, it's a really interesting concept that's been introduced more and more in the last probably five or ten years. And what we know about gratitude, well, we, what we know about our brains I should say, is that the part of our brain that's responsible for gratitude is right next to the part of the brain that creates dopamine that that creates that kind of positive happy kind of emotion um, and so by practicing gratitude and reminding ourselves to be grateful for what we have that actually does start to create feelings of happiness and mm. feelings of, 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 of uh, you know a more positive emotion
1: yes well that's been a very rich 15 minutes Hayley thank you you're welcome and uh, I think it sets it up beautifully for our next podcast which uh, a lot of people will be able to relate to which is Managing stress.
0: You've been listening to organisational psychologist Hayley Loken in conversation with Tim Boylan. This podcast is kindly sponsored by Employers Mutual Limited and is brought to you by the SA branch of the Australian Hotels Association. If you or someone you know needs urgent help, please contact Lifeline on thirteen eleven fourteen, call Beyond Blue on one 636 or go online. Thanks for listening.